Christmas time and comic book men Can't wait to see my heroes again Don't you know it's that time of the year Welcome to the Weird Christmas Podcast. I'm Craig Kringle. It's come to my attention that a lot of people who listen to this thing actually read, you know, books. It's such an anachronistic pastime, and it means that my demographic is a tiny fraction of the population, especially here in America. But screw the voluntarily illiterate. They don't deserve presents. That's one reason why I'm running the Weird Christmas Flash Fiction Contest this year. If you haven't seen me post about it already, go check out weirdchristmas.com for all the details. But the basic idea is I'm asking for stories of no more than 350 words about something odd and Christmassy or winter holiday-ish. There will be $50 for first place and $25 for second place. I'm also going to read and publish all the ones I really like online. The deadline's December 10th, so time's running short, and email any questions to weirdxmas at gmail.com. And speaking of fiction, I thought we should start off with some suggestions for reading material this season. Sure, there's a Christmas carol, but how many times can you read that? I know, a lot. Don't send me hate mail. But we all need good reading matter for Christmas as we curl up near the fire and try to convince ourselves not to stare at our phones. I thought I'd start off with comics, though, because there's a lot of great stuff out there you may not know about. Christmas comics aren't exactly a bustling genre, but there are some fascinatingly weird stories and approaches that I learned about from someone you need to know if you don't already. Benito Sereno, a writer with a huge love of all things Christmas, but a love that's definitely not your standard Christmas fare, kind of like most people listening to this would like, I bet. He's most well-known for writing comics, and you may know him from the Tick new series, Hector Plasm, Image Comics Invincible, or Tales from the Bully Pulpit. He also runs an amazing blog filled with all kinds of Christmas treasures that we'll talk about, like comic retellings of St. Nicholas legends, an ongoing series of letters from Santa, and a Christmas alphabet project you have to see. Links and all that are at weirdchristmas.com, but if you're looking for someone really keyed into fiction about Christmas who takes a thoroughly researched but also creative and unique approach, Benito's someone you should know. His knowledge of Christmas history is pretty astounding, and he brings an actual scholar's approach to it, as well as his own creativity, and that's as it should be. Since the dude has degrees, plural, in classical languages, and does a podcast called Apocrypals that's like comic book nerds chatting about textual, historical, biblical scholarship for people who never got around to reading the thing. And I do mean textual scholarship. I'm not sneaking in any backdoor evangelism here. Neither does he. I mean, who knew comparing textual traditions of the Old Testament could be fun? But the dude knows this Christmas. He knows his comics, too, and he's even promising some awesome Christmas treats that he was kind enough to share with me. He's also just fun to talk to. I had asked you to recommend some comics that, that were Christmassy, and you, you sent me a, a list of some, and then I was also curious about some of the stranger ones that might be out there. And I know you've, you've written about odd places where Santa Claus shows up in like traditional superhero comics and stuff like yeah. that. But maybe we could start one that you recommended. Probably the, my favorite of all the ones that you mentioned was Klaus. Grant Morrison's Klaus, um, and yeah, and if yeah, I'm right, yeah, yeah. there is a second one coming out too right now. I think there, it's it's um, it's actually going to be the fourth one um, because yeah, the way that the publishing structure has worked for uh, Klaus, which to me it's got to be Klaus. It's spelled Klaus. People have assured me it's supposed to be pronounced Claus, but it's spelled Klaus. Uh, yeah, so the first miniseries it was a seven part miniseries. And so that's kind of your origin story. So it's by Grant Morrison with art by Dan Mora. And um, it's in a way it's kind of a, it's not, I don't want to say, I don't want to say grim because it's not, it's definitely not grim. It's all, it's the series is definitely about joy, but it's, it's definitely a darkening, uh, more high fantasy style take on 
the origin of Santa Claus, but it, the first miniseries definitely seems to be using the Rankin Bass Santa Claus is coming to town as kind of a, a, a base layer of paint, so to speak, for it. Because you, you've got the town of uh, Grimsvig um, with a, with an evil, gloomy yeah. king. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, yeah, he's basically the Burgermeister, but he's, uh, uh, yeah, and toys are not allowed and all, you know, this and that. And there's also the love interest. And so it's got the same general shape of um, Santa Claus is coming to town, but it's got this high fantasy take mixed with science fiction elements as well, because like ultimately uh, Klaus, who's the main guy who lives out in the woods with wolves, he's eventually not to spoil it, but I mean, kind of, he, he eventually is gravely harmed and uh, rebuilt by these extra dimensional aliens who imbue him with magical runes that give him immortality and basically Santa Claus powers. And then he gets a shape-shifting um, spaceship that's pulled by flying wolves. And, you know, as, as you know, the traditional Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's got these elements of both fantasy and sci-fi and, but um, while, you know, it's not quite how I would write the origin of Santa Claus. And in fact, is not how I have written the origin of Santa Claus. Um, it's an excellent story. I really love it. And what they've done since then is every Christmas since the original um, miniseries ended, they've put out a one-shot special. Um, gotcha, and gotcha. so in Christmas of 2016, they put out uh, Klaus and the Witch of Winter. And then last year, um, Klaus and the Crisis in Xmasville. And then a third one-shot, which will be the fourth story, uh, will be coming out December 2018. Um, I cannot off the top of my head think of what the title is, but it has something to do with the snowman. It's maybe the crying snowman or something like that. Um, and it's got this really crazy, like sword and sorcery kind of cover to it. Um, but yeah, it's really great. Uh, the art is fantastic in it. And every new thing that comes out hints at a, uh, broader series of stories that it feels like he can follow up on at any time. And it's hard to tell which threads he's going to pick up on and which one's not. He, mm-hmm. he himself uh, Morrison hints in uh, the crisis in Xmasville, the still the most recent one. Um, he hints at uh, Santa Claus fighting Martians, and there's a recurring thread of a conflict between uh, Klaus and uh, the Pola Cola Corporation, which is you know a giant soda corporation that wants to that wants to own Christmas and thereby control the world. Um, and so the crisis in Xmasville is about Xmasville, which is an artificial city built by the Pola Cola corporation where it's Christmas all the time. And in order to gain power, they make a deal with, um, with an evil Santa Claus from a dark dimension who works for these aliens from a lower plane who suck the imagination out of children and feed off of that. And so there's a dark Santa Claus. Who's also a werewolf that fights Klaus for the Pola Cola corporation and their artificial city. So it's got that kind of stuff in it. It's very cool. It does incorporate, um, bits of international Christmas stuff. So is, is that Krampus at the end of the first one? Yeah. It's, I mean, it kind of looks, it's a horned creature Yeah, he's, and he does want to eat children. Right. He's, he's never named, but, but I feel like he, he's pretty clearly Krampus there at the end. Um, a giant, a giant demonic. Yeah. He's got the kind of goat skull for a head and he's got the mismatched feet and. Oh, he does. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's a foot and a hoof, but I think it's a foot. And then his other foot is like twisted in a, in a way where it's like broken. So it's, they're, they're mismatched, yep. but not yep. in the traditional way. So yeah, he's never named as Krampus, but 
um, yeah, I feel like it's pretty clearly supposed to be him. But the other ones do feature, like, uh, the Russian Jed Moros and Snegoroshka are in Christmas and Xmasville. Of course, they're just called Grandfather Frost and Snow Maiden because uh, I feel like nobody in America should have to try and figure out how to pronounce Snegoroshka, I guess. Um, and then uh, the second one, The Witch of Winter, which is actually my favorite of all of them, has um, some of the Yule Lads. It has four of the 13 Yule Lads. Uh, Spoon Licker is the most prominent one, but it also has uh, Sheepcoat, Claude, Gullygawk, and Stubby. They show up as well. So there's still nine more, but um, and there's references also to um, Dead Morose and uh, who else? Father Christmas, Moshkarila, who I feel is going to show up in the new one. He was the Romanian communist Santa. Who else do they have here? Yulupuki. Olincero. They get references. They're referenced in the second one with um, these statues that turn out to be robots. So, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of cool elements in it. I, I really like it. I look forward to the new specials every year. I think it's a really good tradition to have, you know, to have a really nice, like, thick 50-page Santa Claus story to come out every year. I think that's the coolest tradition you can have, honestly. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned the the Icelandic Yule Lads, and that's so the the next one or another one you sent me was Slayer, the heavy metal Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, in which the Yule Lads and Grilla are the um, main baddies in that one. Right. Yes. Yeah, so that one was it was it was definitely fun. I mean, definitely not not trying near as hard as as Klaus and, and Morrison to sort of create a real world. It's definitely much more uh, built around goofs, but uh, it's got some thought to it, you know. It does feature all of the Yule Lads, I think, but they don't ever get named, if I recall correctly. But they're they're, they're kind of distinct in the way they look and uh, the things they carry around. So you can kind of get a feel. If you if you know the different Yule Lads, you can kind of kind of sort of pick out who's who. Um, and yeah, Grilla is definitely there the, as the big bad at the end. Um, one that, uh, thing that kind of makes me laugh about it is um, in the beginning, before Grilla escapes from the prison of Slayer's Santa Claus bag. And of course it's Slay, S-L-E-I-G-H-E-R, Slayer. Right. Um, this one comes from uh, Action Lab comics from their Danger Zone imprint. Um, it is written by Rob Harrington with art by Axer Aeneas. Um, and yeah, it's pretty funny. Like the idea, it's it's got the, the element of the hereditary Santa Claus where Santa Claus is part of a, a line, you know, passed from father to son, which is, Again, not a creative choice that I would make, but one that's pretty popular. I mean, Arthur Christmas, the movie, features that as well um, and does it really well. But this is one where the idea, you know, Santa Claus gets passed down from father to son, and the current one is really into heavy metal and motorcycles, and so he's he's Slayer. But, um, yeah, at the beginning, um, the main bad guy is the father of the Yule Lads, who's, uh, whose name is uh, Lepaluthi. Um, but that's it's an Icelandic name. And that the sound at the end is the letter uh, Ev, which we don't have in English. And it's the one that kind of looks like a, a D with a, with a crossbar on it. You could, you probably, you'd recognize it if you saw it. But um, I feel like the creators of this book maybe didn't know that usually the Ev is changed into a D when Icelandic words are transliterated into English. And so they thought it was an O. And so for this book, uh, Lepaluthi is called uh, Lepaluoi for the whole book, which yeah. really stands out to me. But And also for some reason, he's trying to bring back Saturnalia, 
which is, of course, a Roman holiday. I don't know why you wouldn't be trying to bring Yule back as a thing, but eh, say la vie. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's weird. It's full of goofs. It's got a, it's got a flying. You get some Vladimir, Vladimir Putin gags in the beginning. Yeah, there's a, yeah, definitely, definitely some Putin stuff in there. You got a, you got a, a talking motorcycle that's got a reindeer skull mounted on the handlebars. I don't know. The big punchline at the end is it ends with uh, it promises that if they return, they promise Disco Krampus. And uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. Yep, yep. I did like the elves in that one. Like I thought that the way all the elves were were done was pretty cool because they're all mostly individuals and they all have these sort of like variety of talents and different things. They didn't feel quite so generic. Yeah, sure. A lot of these stories. Absolutely. Yeah. He, uh, they definitely, um, yeah, develop unique looks and personalities for the different elves. So yeah. That, and of course the elves are all heavy metal style too. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely at the, in the first issue, Slayer gives a little kid a motorhead record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was the other one was Jingle Bell. Um, oh yeah. Which I haven't, to be honest, I haven't read all of it yet. So I'm about halfway through, but different, different takes starts off with a whole lot, which is much more, um, Santa's daughter um, and yeah. sort of generation gap issues going on there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jingle Bell uh, created by Paul Dini, who's of course most famous for his work on uh, Batman, the animated series and other uh, Superman, the animated series, that stuff that he mostly did with uh, Bruce Tim and some of the other producers there. Um, and of course he co-created Harley Quinn and that kind of stuff. So he's famous for that. But yeah, Jingle Bell is a comic series that he's kind of been doing intermittently for, I don't know, 20 years, probably from a number of different, publishers including oni press and i think the collection that you were probably looking at if it was like the complete one that one i think is from idw probably yep. um yep. and uh but he's not even he's not done i know there's a new one coming out this year i don't know what the title of it is um but uh, i did see it in the previews catalog so i know he's still doing um uh, more with it um yeah yeah santa's daughter jingle bell and she's a teenager and she's rebellious and she makes a lot of mistakes and uh, it's just a pretty good humor book. Um, yeah, a lot of different, like you mentioned, different styles and different approaches. Like there's one where it's sort of like a riff on the Osbournes, where it's like they're uh, the Clausborns, yeah. I think is what they call it. And it's sort of like the, the Santa Claus reality show. Yeah, you can, you can definitely, like. you can tell the different times that they came out. And you can tell that he's been doing it for like 20 years because yeah. some of the jokes definitely reflect the era in which they came out. Um, yeah, so there's the, yeah, there's the reality show bit. There's... Uh, the one where Jingle joins uh, the hockey team and she's got stuff where she has adventures with um, Holly Green, the Halloween girl. She's a witch. And so they have uh, different holiday related adventures. Um, there's one where Frankenstein is in it. Uh, Krampus eventually inevitably shows up as he does everywhere now. Um, like last, last year, um, Last year I made an idea – I made a – set a goal for myself that I was going to order basically any Christmas book that looked even halfway interesting out of the mm-hmm. previous catalog last year. And uh, one of them that they advertised but that never came out was a Spawn versus Krampus book. And I would have really been into seeing Todd McFarlane's take on Krampus, which I am sure would have been impeccably researched. But it, it unfortunately never hit the shelves. Well, what are some of the other strange times when, I mean, I, that when Santa has shown up or odd Christmas connections? And, and I got to admit, too, I'm kind of curious 
because you've, you've written an article and I'll put links up on the website to 10 times that Santa's shown up in, for the most part, pretty mainstream comics. But when he shows yeah. up in the superhero world, it's always, it's an odd mix of mythologies to me. And that's where, yeah. you know, like to have him show up, but, but I guess technically he's got to be part of the continuity <laughs> if, if they stick him in there at some point, but yeah, um, sure. I'm, I mean, I feel like part of it is like, they're never, they're rarely consistent with it. Right. Like, right. Um, Santa Claus was much more likely to show up in the early days of comics, the golden age. Like he, he teams up with Superman like two or three times in the golden age, including uh, probably the famous one with the cover where Santa Claus is too fat, too fat to fit down the chimney. And so yeah. um, Superman's standing there. And I mean, the story actually has to do with that. Someone, I can't, it's been a while since I've read it, but someone shoots Santa Claus with a ray that makes him fat and he gets too fat to go down the chimney. So Superman has to help him uh, deliver presents. And so like, there's that one. Um, There's the one that I wrote about in the article where uh, you've got some evil uh, Scrooge-like guys uh, trying to spread their own different kind of, uh, I don't know, what do they call it? Commercial products. Um, so they're trying to extort Santa Claus and yeah, I don't know. So when, when in the early days of comics where they're more explicitly where superhero books are more explicitly for kids, it's a lot easier to get away with, um, with Santa Claus showing up. But, you know, as you get more into the modern age, you've got to find some way around it. Like, um, one of my favorite ones is the one where Santa Claus shows up as a private detective and teams up with She-Hulk and he's, but the whole thing is wink, 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 right? It's never it never calls him Santa Claus. He goes by the name Nick St. Christopher, right. but he's the perfect private eye because he, because he can get into any building. He knows who's good and who's bad, you know, all, all these kind of things. And so he's the perfect private eye and he teams up with, um, Shield. and unfortunately that version never shows up again. He's really only in that one story. And that's kind of how it is. It's inconsistent. Cause you know, someone will do a story and they'll say like, Oh, here's Santa Claus or is it wink, wink? And then nobody else will pick up on him again. There's just so many, um, like the other famous story from like the Marvel Marvel Christmas special is the one where Santa Claus is actually Odin and all that stuff. And that, that doesn't really get picked up on again. But that's very cool. That's very cool. So those are some fun ones. Um, anything that you are working on right now that's coming out? Um, well, I, I mean, I have things I'm working on, but most of them are long-term <laughs> things that may not be out for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, the main way that people are going to find stuff that I'm working on is uh, my podcast, The Pocket Pals, that I do with Chris Sims. It comes out pretty much every Sunday um, where we go through the Bible and Bible adjacent stuff uh, every week and try to cover it um, in ways. And you said you're going to do St. Nicholas. We are. Yeah, we will absolutely have a St. Nicholas special um, roughly around St. Nicholas day. Um, So early, early December, we will have a St. Nicholas um, special where we go over um, different aspects of the life of St. Nicholas. What, um, like we have done before, we'll pull from the golden legend, but there's so many different um, versions of his life and different stories that we will certainly be pulling from all sorts of different sources uh, for that. But yeah, for sure, for sure. We're going to do a St. Nicholas episode. And so, yeah, we, you know, sometimes we cover real Bible books that people have heard of, but a lot of times we try to go for the more fun stuff. I mean, it's in the name We're you know, Apocrypha is in the name. So we'll definitely pull from uh, strange uh, acts of Peter and Paul with, uh, talking dogs, or uh, we recently did the Testament of Solomon, where King Solomon uses a magic ring to basically run a job fair for demons. Um, you know, we cover all sorts of different things, whatever whatever 
suits our whims, basically. Just out of curiosity, with all the, the sort of biblical background, and you said in the Apocrypals that you you have advanced degrees in Bible study, right? Does that connect to the Christmas aspect? Um, yeah, yes and no. I don't actually have degrees in, like, biblical studies per se. Like, uh, they, it's classical the, studies, right? Yes, yeah, classical studies. So, like, so yeah, I have um, I have a master's degree in classical languages and literatures. My focus is in Latin, but I have also studied uh, ancient Greek. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, there is overlap between what I studied and the Bible stuff, which is that you know, New Testament Christian stuff tends to be in Latin or Greek, and especially once you get into the Middle Ages, there's a lot of um, Latin documents that uh, are major sources for hagiographies and that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, there was a lot of overlap. And so I did start picking up on saint stuff. Um, and I did uh, read an early miracle play of St. Nicholas and that kind of stuff when I was in college for the first time. But uh, yeah, most of my Bible background just comes from my life. Like I was in church all the time and always in Sunday school, I, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I, and then for, you know, church services. And then I would just be at the church um, almost every day because the church was across the street from my school. I would just walk over there after school until my dad would take me home. And, you know, all, so much of the media I consumed was Christian media. And so I got Bible stories all through my childhood. But uh, the Christmas stuff really, I got, uh, I actually, actually I was anti-Santa Claus for a while in high school. I had, I had this period where in high school I was against things that I'm actually very into now as an adult. And one, one, uh, one of them was Disney. Like I was very anti-Disney in high school, but now I'm, uh, I'm really into Disney, especially Disney comics now. But, um, I was also very anti-Santa Claus because I just decided that like Santa represented a commercialization of Christmas that I didn't care for, blah, blah. But but now, like, Santa's my favorite thing. Uh, I'm wearing a Santa Claus t-shirt right now uh, because <laughs> it's time. And uh, and part of that started with the fact that um, when it comes to writing and research, one of the things that I'm really interested in are, like, these big, iconic figures, right? Like, my, um, my first major comic that I had that I wrote that came out is uh, – it's called Tales from the Bully Pulpit. It came out in 2004 – I was in my early twenties. Um, and it's a story about, uh, Teddy Roosevelt and the ghost of Thomas Edison. They steal HG Wells's time machine. They go to the distant future of the year 2008, where they find a bunch of, uh, Nazis in Argentina who have teamed, teamed up with Nazis on Mars. And they find the, uh, descendant of Hitler, Jorge Hitler, and they fight him on Mars. And, uh, the big inspiration for that was just the idea of taking these kind of iconic figures where you don't have to build lore around them because it already exists, right? If I pull out Teddy Roosevelt, you already have a picture in your head of what he's like and what he does. And like, I always have to explain to people like the versions of the historical figures that appear in the, in the bully pulpit book are not supposed to be the actual people, right? You can come to me and say, well, Thomas Edison was really a jerk and an anti-Semite and all this, and you've got him as this cool, wisecracking guy. And I'm just like, yeah, he's not, it's not really Thomas Edison. It's not really Theodore Roosevelt who- right. he like, also didn't he, fight he, Martians, yeah. 
He also didn't fight Martians, exactly. It's it's all about like the iconic figures because really what I wanted to build to is the climax of the book, which is um, Abraham Lincoln and Hitler bare knuckle bare knuckle boxing, right? Like that's that's what I'm building to with the whole book. That was the first image that came into my head that I wrote the whole book around. And it's and it's really just about the clash of these iconic ideas. And so um, that's the kind of thing I like to explore in writing. And to me, at one point, I, I had the image in my head that the biggest clash of icons you could have, similar to Lincoln versus Hitler, was Santa versus Dracula, was like two, two completely like opposed ideas. And so I had this idea hmm, short, probably shortly after I wrote um, Bully Pulpit. So, you know, mid 2000s. And so I started researching Santa Claus and St. Nicholas because I thought, you know, I wanted to do a two part story. And the first part would be a more historical St. Nicholas versus Vlad Sepish kind of story. And, but again, based on historic folk tales rather than real history again. And so as I dug into that, I was like, oh, Santa Claus is one of the big icons and he has all this stuff behind him and he's got all of these different um, elements that uh, make him what he is today. And it's so fascinating and weird and there's so much other weird Christmas stuff from around the world that like I never stopped being into Christmas even when I was anti-Santa Claus briefly in, in high school. I was still... I mean, you know, the reason I didn't like Santa Claus is I thought he was opposed to Christmas. So I've always been very into Christmas. But then, I, you know, again, I got back into Santa Claus and wanting to write about him. And so I've since then, you know, almost 15 years now, I've spent time researching not just Santa Claus, but St. Nicholas myths and also um, stories from around the world and how other people do Christmas and who their um, gift bringers are. Um, from any of the winter holidays, anything between Martinmas and Epiphany, basically, is fair game for me to dig into these days. And you've already got a lot of short comics that you've written about that, right? That are- yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of people, it's always interesting for me to find out what people know me from. And uh, one of the things a lot of people will bring up to me is the uh, the Cagatillo comic that I did um, with cartoonist Anthony Clark. Um I don't even remember how long ago that one was now, but uh, that was based on a pretty early idea that I had because in um, Catalonia, which for now is still part of Spain, um, they have two separate uh, poop-related Christmas figures. I know the Caganer. Yeah. So yeah. So you've got so you've got the Caganer, which is the little little poop right. pooping guy that you that you put in your nativity, and they have them. Um, and you can go to a store and they've got them in the shape of anybody, right? right? If you want a pooping Obama, you want a pooping Trump, you want a uh, pooping uh, Doraemon or Pikachu or any cartoon character or historical figure, soccer player, anything. They have stores where you can get them and they're squatting down and pooping and you put them in your uh, nativity scene. So there's that. But there's also the Cagatillo, which is uh, which means uh, poop log. It's more properly known as the Tio de Nadal, which is the Christmas log. Oh, okay, um, okay. And uh, so it's a little log. It's got a face on one end and it wears a little stocking cap. And uh, the back end of it is covered up with a blanket. And then on Christmas, uh, what happens is kids hit the log with a stick and they sing a little song about how they want the log to poop. 
uh, poop presents and candy and nougat and that kind of stuff as they're hitting the thing with the stick. And then after you do that, you pull the blanket back and then theoretically under the blanket, there's a bunch of candy and nougat and cakes and fruit and presents. And now I saw a video on YouTube of kids doing it and it was, there was like an Xbox under there. So it's like, you know, this log has pooped an Xbox. Um, but because they've got these two different traditions that are both about poop, but theoretically not otherwise connected, I, I thought, you know, I got to figure out a way to draw these together. And so I, I wrote the origin, so to speak, of the of the Cagatillo, which is to say he was originally uh, the Caganer. He was the guy at the original nativity, but he had to poop really bad. And uh, the, ba- the baby Jesus saw him and laughed and the laughter of the the son of God is no minor thing or something like that. It says in the comic. And so he's granted immortality by that. And then he later develops other magical powers, which include uh, pooping presents and candy and fruit. And uh, eventually he becomes, he becomes super old because he's immortal, but not, um, but not ageless. And so at the end of my comic, you have St. Nicholas who grants him the ability to continue giving joy to kids, but now he's, been transformed into this log and it's tied in kind of the story of um, like Tithonus from Greek mythology, who uh, is immortal, but ages and shrinks until eventually he becomes a, a grasshopper. And so it's uh, yeah, that's, that's a story. A lot of people know me from this, that the short um, Cognitio comic. And I have some others uh, ones about Klaubauf, who's a Krampus, basically a Krampus figure from uh, it's just a regional variation on the Krampus and, um, I had a comic that was supposed to come out uh, from Image Comics that, uh, that didn't because of behind-the-scenes problems, but it was uh, Santa Claus versus the Martians, where it was one one of those ideas where I was like, you know, they made the movie, but the movie's not quite what you want it to be. So I thought, why don't I make a comic that is what I would like that story to have been? And so it was a four-part story where each each chapter was set in a different time period. So chapter one has a father, father Christmas fighting war of the world style Martians. And then in part two, the Martians return as kind of 1950s style B movie, sci-fi flying saucer Martians. And you have a very uh, mainstream Coca-Cola style Santa who's fighting them. And then parts three and four, were going to be um, set in modern times with uh, Santa fighting a more, more modern take on an alien invasion where they have these giant city size saucers and they shoot down giant monsters to fight people and that kind of stuff. Um, that is awesome. Only the first part of that got done and it never, never got published. Um, but the first chapter is online. You can find, you can find it. Uh, yeah. So I've done, I've done a number of different Christmas comics. Yeah. And I, and honestly at this point in my life, like I would be super happy if my job was just writing Christmas comics about Santa and building up the whole mythology that I've, that I've created based on, you know, all these years of research that I've done. Cause my whole thing has been about researching this and then creating a mythos where all these figures exist at the same time and they're all part of the same world. And how does that work? You know? So, so I have all of that stuff. I just um, have been trying to turn it into stories over the last decade, basically. That's awesome. And you were kind enough to share that with me. A, a while ago. And like I told that was, that was so fun to read through and read oh, thank you so much. Um, all that worked. Yeah. And so that's what I was going to ask though. Cause you had mentioned wanting to think about putting it out like a coffee table encyclopedia, but I didn't know if that was also maybe something that you had used in the background of comics ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, what you've, what you've seen is a manuscript for a book that, yeah, I would like to ultimately turn into kind of a coffee table 
encyclopedia that would be kind of a uh, somewhere between like uh, the Brian Frude fairy books and that old like gnomes coffee table book that everybody had in the 70s and 80s. And then also like the Marvel handbook or the monster monsters manual, something like that. Right. It's but it's all about Christmas. And so it's divided into entries that'll be illustrated. And it's got currently 50. I've got about seven or so more that I need to add in from uh, other things that I've discovered since finishing that version of the manuscript. But I got to give it another pass before I think it's ready to go. But uh, I'm glad that you read it. I'm really psyched that you um, enjoyed it. I mean, like the substance of it is not going to change. I'm working, I'm going to kind of work on polishing up the prose of it a little bit, I think. Yeah, I mean, that is basically the handbook to my vision of Santa Claus's universe. So it includes a lot of authentic research, but it's written in an in-universe style that's supposed to represent, you know, how I think, like, if you start from the premise that Santa Claus is real, and also that St. Nicholas, Father Christmas, and Santa Claus are all the same person, just at different points and different aspects of the same person, you know, how does that, how does everything else fit into that? And that's kind of the, the premise of both the book and the stories that I've built based out of that. So like, yeah, everything I've done, Christmas stories, Christmas comics, um, prose stories, honestly, even the, the letters that I write to my nephew for Christmas every year are all based out of that same, that same view of Christmas and the, San, the Santa Claus greater universe or however you want to think about it that's represented in the in the book yeah that's really cool in fact that it's sort of funny i there was a period where i was writing stories about two of santa's elves that were Mm. they were they were like his gophers basically they did the odd jobs and so i do it for my kids and it started to develop something like that um but i was never good enough (laughs) i was like you know that, that was a little bit beyond me but so when i went on you showed me what you were doing i was like oh i hope it really does you know, work together like a full world. And, and you did, you hadn't just shoehorn things in there. Like I, like it was, it's really cool. So I really do hope that gets developed. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, I'm still continuing to write, you know, the idea is to try to represent Santa and father Christmas and St. Nicholas as they are right. To the point where you could read what I wrote and then look back at a, an old postcard, like you post on your blog and go, ah, that, that matches. This is evidence that what I read in the book is, is true. Cause here's a picture of it. You know what I mean? It's um, trying, trying to represent him as, his, as he really is. So if I say, you know, um, Santa Claus, as you know, flies around on a tank pulled by a hippopotamus, then there's not, there's nothing to reflect that right. in real culture. You wouldn't look around and you go, no, you're an idiot. It's obviously it's reindeer. Everybody knows it's reindeer. So, you know, I'm tr- trying to capture that at the same time while incorporating things that are, would be new to, to readers. That's really cool. And it's really good. And so there's something to look forward to for everyone else. And I'm sure on your Tumblr, there's going to be a lot more Christmas stuff coming up. Yes. As, uh, yeah. Cause you did the alphabet, the alphabet last year. Explain what that one was for, for people who don't know what it is. Yeah. So last year we did the alphabet of Christmas, uh, me and my friend, uh, Chuck Kinnegy, we had for, uh, Halloween, we did, uh, what we called the alphabet of monsters, which was a rhyming, alphabet done in the style of Gashley Crumb Tinies, but A is for this, B is for that. And we just went through classic movie monsters. And then when we had finished that, I said, well, now we have to do one for Christmas, right? And he's, and my friend Chuck said, yeah. And uh, so each day in, uh, in December last year, we released a different uh, letter starting with A as a palpador. And uh, we featured a lot of 
uh, Christmas figures that a lot of people maybe have not heard of, including a Palpador, who is uh, from a region of Spain. And his whole thing is uh, he sneaks into the children's bedrooms at night and pats their bellies. And if their bellies sound empty, he leaves them a pile of chestnuts on the ground. Um, and so, uh, you know, we have, yeah, A, a is a Palpador, B is Bafana, C is Chris Kendall, um, and uh, D is Dead Morose, and so on. Uh, so we've got a bunch of international uh, Christmas and Christmas adjacent figures that we went through. And yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I tend to uh, post around Christmas because people, people will also ask me a lot of questions on my Tumblr. And so I've, I've got different essays, tons of stuff about St. Nicholas and Krampus. Um, one of my most famous essays is about how most people nowadays get Krampus wrong by writing him as the villain of Christmas when in fact, you know, it's very explicit that he's St. Nicholas's sidekick, even if he is the bad cop to the good cop. Uh, my, my, the thesis of which is, you know, if Krampus is actually evil, the final line of the, essay. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, the ahead, the final ahead. line of course is that people think of Krampus as the Lex Luthor of Christmas when in fact he's the Batman of Christmas and yeah. And the argument is that if you think that Krampus is evil, then that means St. Nicholas has failed. And the whole idea of Christmas as a time of renewal and redemption uh, is, is a lie. And so uh, Krampus has to be good. And so I have an essay on that. You can um, all sorts of different things. I get, I constantly get asked about the scary ghost stories line from uh, most wonderful time of the year. Why do people tell scary ghost stories at Christmas? And, but also, you know, uh, now I've made it a new thing where I have new uh, short stories and comics and things every Christmas. And if you want to see, if people want to see the other short stories and letters and comics and even a short film that I did called uh, The Two Gifts, which has got Santa Claus versus uh, Werewolf. Um, if you want to see those things, I have them all compiled in one place on a separate Tumblr. Um, it's called The Further Adventures of Santa Claus, which is just further advofsanta.tumblr.com. And if you go there, you can find all of that stuff together. It's got all my stories, comics, movies, letters, everything. It's all there. Awesome. And I'll put links to all that stuff up there too. For, for that yeah one. thanks man awesome well listen thank you so much for sharing all this stuff that i bet a lot of people don't know about so um yeah my pleasure get that around and it's all it's all fun go children find benito's stuff like i said links are up at weirdchristmas.com and hopefully one day soon you may be able to buy that wonderful christmas mythology he's putting together and links to the christmas comics he suggested are there too i hope you find an unexpected gift or two And speaking of gifts, if this podcast even pushes off half an hour of seasonal depression or gives you an excuse to avoid your in-laws while they visit, you can help me out by buying me a coffee. That's ko-fi.com slash weirdchristmas. That'll let you give micro donations so you aren't committed to like a big old Patreon credit card bill every month. And it'll help me with the Flash Fiction Contest, help me improve the podcast, and make the site even better. It also convinces my wife that doing this is more than a way to avoid watching Hallmark movies with her. So there's a link on the site, or you can go to, like I said, ko-fi.com slash weirdchristmas. A huge thank you to the folk who donated so far. I said I'd thank each of you personally, so anonymous, thank you. And also to you, anonymous, a hearty Christmas thank you. Seriously, though, I really appreciate it. And don't forget to follow on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or drop me a note at weirdxmas at gmail.com. Hey, even leave a review on iTunes. Tell me you did it, and I'll send you an honest-to-God Victorian Christmas card. Lord knows I got enough sitting around here. I also have to read this note someone sent me about the vintage cards. And if you aren't following me on social media, you're missing half the fun. But this is maybe the sweetest thing I've ever gotten. Again, from my huge fan, Anonymous. 
My grandmother recently made an effort to become tech literate. She's 81 soon. Squeaky clean, southern, bake you a pie Aunt B type. Scrabble is her idea of cutting loose. She adores the very G-rated holidays, so I occasionally send her some of your more strange or unsettling material. She's always taken aback at first, but always settles into giggling like a maniac. It's adorable. We're very different people, and it's sort of become a bonding vector for us, I guess. Thanks. Wow. I feel like I actually did a good thing. Weird Christmas. Corrupting virtuous grandmothers every holiday season. More weirdness soon, folk. So until next time, don't let Santa stuff you in his bulging, sweaty sack. I want to remind you, too, that this year I'm part of the Christmas Podcast Network, which is a website, christmaspodcastnetwork.com, where you can get a hold of a whole bunch of different Christmas podcasts with all different topics, formats, issues, comedy, movie reviews, all kinds of things. Like, for example... This season on the Advent Calendar House. Gadgets, toys, greed, Everest. We tackle a new holiday special every day from December 1st through Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, TV Playhouse. Joker here. From the must-watch Christmas classics... The Grinch. ...to the lost treasures at the bottom of the discount DVD bin. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Join me at adventcalendar.house and on the Christmas Podcast Network. I love it.